You're listening to Festival Grass, a podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. With your hosts, Mario and Shanae. Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. Tomorrowland releases virtual New Year's Eve event tickets plus new stage reveal. A boost for music festivals as first rapid testing program is officially approved. Nearly two-thirds of Australian voters are in favor of pill testing. With new global directory of creators, Femnoise works to close the music industry gender gap. But first, a message from the Compass at Lightning in a Bottle. So Sinead, Lightning in a Bottle is one of my most favorite festivals held in California. And unfortunately, it was the first one that I sadly could not attend once everything hit uh, earlier this year with the COVID lockdowns. One of my favorite parts of Lightning in a Bottle is that it's not just great in terms of being a world-class festival. It's extremely well-run. The Do Lab does an amazing job, the two brothers there, putting on this festival. But they also provide what I would consider programming. And programming is what makes a festival more than the party and makes it a transformational festival. Some something A place you can go where you can have a good time, you can connect with people. Just like at any festival, you can dance, multiple stages. It's just, it's it's everything you would expect and more. But then there's this other element of education that gets offered. And it's the education that I think really rounds out festivals. And we haven't really talked a lot about them during these newscasts, but we're probably going to do it more and more. However, I'm really happy that Lightning in a Bottle put out a letter to their community. And before I read the letter, I just want to go over a little bit about what the Compass is. So every year, the Compass offers up a vast array of talks, panels, workshops, and performances intended to engage the senses expand the mind, and provide people with the pathways to take the inspiration of lightning in a bottle into their lives beyond the festival. In particular, we acknowledge that this year, for much of our audience, these are profound and challenging times, inheriting a world with challenges and opportunities never experienced before. The Compass program is working with the theme of coming of age in a time of great transition, seeking to provide guidance and mentorship come into a life of meaning, inspiration, and possibly in the face of such current realities as climate change, social upheaval, alienation, and polarization. We have brought together a diverse collection of strategies, stories, and teachings meant to offer pathways of potential with a focus on being relevant and applicable to the entire Lightning in a Bottle community. That's what Compass offers every year, by the way. So here's what they said. Dear Doolab community, This is a message from the compass at Lightning in a Bottle. We reach out to say that we miss you in such a big way. We know these are crazy times, and it's more important than ever to continue to gather together in the ways that we can to educate and resource ourselves. This newsletter contains several different ways to connect in the extended compass crew and to get lit up, inspired, and activated in the ways that we have been over the years together at Lightning in a Bottle. From the very beginning, we have been content partners with Bioneers, and we have been so honored to cross-pollinate many of our most inspiring speakers with their amazing conference. Now, just before I talk about the Bioneers, I just want to say that this message to their community was to sponsor an event and a conference, actually, that will take place on four days between December 5th and 6th and 12th and 13th. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to offer people and especially people in that community opportunities to attend workshops and lectures. And if Bioneers is offering that, I think it's amazing that Lightning in the Bottle 
is willing to promote their partnership with them. Yeah. I mean, from the website, Bioneers say they connect people with solutions and with each other. They say their acclaimed annual national conference and local Bioneers network events are complemented by extensive media production, including a vibrant online media presence, award-winning radio and podcast series, book series, and role in third-party media projects such as Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, The Eleventh Hour, and Michael Pollan's best-selling book, The Omnivore's Dilemma. And they say our dynamic programs and initiatives focus on restorative food systems, biomimicry, rights of nature, women's leadership, and youth leadership. So a very good all-around organization. Yeah, I think that's great that the organization does this and that they're still offering something during COVID. Yeah, absolutely. A boost for music festivals as first rapid testing program is officially approved. The music festival might see a successful 2021 season, well, at least in the UK. This event management company, Swallow Events, in the United Kingdom has formed an exclusive partnership with Roche, a leading pharmaceutical company from Switzerland, to deliver CE-approved 15-minute rapid COVID testing that falls within the MHRA health guidelines. That's the guidelines in the UK. Testing is an additional measure added to the COVID tracing data collection, temperature checks, and other COVID precautions at events. The service offers testing by government-approved healthcare professionals or a supply-only shipment worldwide for event organizers. This means that there is hope here in North America if this rapid testing gets approved by our governments. Mario, this is super exciting. How do you feel about it? Yeah, well, it is super exciting. Everyone is hoping that common sense doesn't hold back any event next year, especially the ones that are earlier in the year when the reach of vaccines will not be pervasive. So those ones are in jeopardy, but everyone's looking for this sort of magic bullet. And I do think rapid testing is certainly one of them because of how quick it is. But there is, you know, uh, some information on the fact that even though they say that these are very reliable, there's always going to be new evidence that shows that they're not. It's just the way it is. I mean, We're talking about having gone from zero to 60, developing these tests and methods and vaccines, and there's bound to be a larger margin of error than is being marketed right now. I think I think we'd be foolish to assume that, you know, the best case scenario is actually going to happen. You and I have been around long enough to know that's always not the case. We have to believe in Murphy's Law. But I will read something here by Ollie Thomas, and I think he has the right perspective in all of this. He's a founder, of course, and managing director of Swallow Events. And he's quoted here as saying, our rapid testing kits, a market leader, which meets the MHRA target product profile with sensitivity of 96.52% and specificity of 99.68%. I mean, I love the math. I love how precise it is. But he says, used in conjunction with track and trace data collection and other COVID secure protocols, such as touchpoint, and temperature checks will also help event organizers in all sectors from large-scale festivals, concerts, stadia, business conferences, and trade shows through to agricultural shows and small boutique festivals. And we have to remember, Shanae, that this he makes a great point. We in the festival industry that we love festivals, we're just like part of this massive live events business that's been decimated. And I definitely want this to work. I'm just I want to be cautious here in terms of a lot of the things that I've read. I just don't want to be jumping on the bandwagon and saying we're all systems go for Coachella in April. Right. And I do think that, you know, with rapid testing, like we've seen in some events in the States right now, is that they do bubble events. 
um, in the States and in Europe where they're doing these, you get tested a few days prior to the event and then you get tested again on site. And so the test on site is the rapid testing COVID test. The difference is this test in particular has actually been approved by their government in the UK. So um, that means that it gives festivals the hope that they can use that as a as a measure of COVID protection. And so this isn't to say like, you know, you just waltz in and get this 15 minute test and then you go um, into the festival. I'm sure there will be a lot more to it. As mentioned by Ollie, and as we can see in most festivals, there's addition, there's multiple measures to protect against COVID. So I think that that's where we have to, we, we can't be so hopeful in the sense that we're blind to the fact that there's other things we have to do. Of course, you could be tested for COVID during an incubation period and not, and the tests come up negative. So they still have to have the tracking in place and some social distance measure that they can some additional cleanliness standards, things like that. Absolutely. I totally agree with everything you said. I will also add to that. We can't forget that all of these advancements are really, really astounding and impressive. I mean, the fact that we've arrived here after everything that we've been through this year is just a testament to the level of science and education and ingenuity and the get-go of people who want to make a difference. I mean, it's amazing. I'm really inspired by all of this. It's really pushed us to be our best selves, even though in some circumstances we've seen that not be the reality. But I think there's a lot of intelligent people seeing the opportunity to really affect the world at large. And when we're describing in previous episodes where industry is being completely decimated, and it's when we say that, you don't really understand that it's people's livelihoods that are getting crushed here, like absolutely crushed. Imagine you were one musician or one event producer or one person that was involved in the production of any festival or any event, and you're wondering if you can even feed your family or even if you have a future going into the next year. I mean, it's just devastating mental circumstances that people have to fend off. Now, when it comes to having some hope, I do think that this is a sign that maybe we are more prepared than one would assume. And perhaps I'm just being the pessimist here. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our Music Festival newscast and subscribe to our Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. Tomorrowland releases virtual New Year's Eve event tickets plus new stage reveal. This photo is amazing. It's beautiful. We know Tomorrowland put on the event back in July to everyone's surprise uh, because of, I mean, well, to my surprise, just simply because of the level that they attained. They invested a lot of effort, a lot of passion to give their fan base and the world at large something to have in light of the fact that they had canceled their entire physical Tomorrowland festival and boom. So this story here says, as the effects of COVID-19 continue to shape shift the music industry as we know it, many large promotion companies and festivals are beginning to transform the way festival goers partake in the scene. Due to the heavy lockdown restrictions beginning to resurge across the globe, Tomorrowland has decided to join the virtual festival ensemble for their 2021 New Year's Eve event that is timed and catered for all time zones across the globe, Sinead, from 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. local time. Organizers have already released the evening's gargantuan lineup and are now releasing ticket packages and beginning to reveal the stages. So this first stage that they have a photo of is called Planaxis. 
which the people of Tomorrowland may remember, was the theme for the Mega Festival's 2018 event in Boom. Fans can expect more stage reveals as Tomorrowland New Year's Eve draws closer. The special virtual edition will contain four stages in total, as well as a virtual grounds dubbed NOAS that festival viewers will be able to explore. This might be their VR added a bonus. The festival viewers will then also be able to opt in, Sinead, to a festival on-demand option for another €12.50 on top of the original ticket price, which begins around $30. That would allow the festival to be rewatched up until January 14th. What do you think about all of that from our studs at Tomorrowland? Honestly, I think it's great. It's really inspiring to see, you know, a festival try to provide something to the community while they while they can during this time. It gives people the opportunity to stay home and still have fun. Like you could play this and Zoom party with your friends if you're somewhere where you're not allowed to gather in small groups. Or if you're somewhere you can gather in small groups, then, you know, you get to still have that kind of party experience that you wanted for New Year's. You're right in saying that because none of us know what is around the bend? This is the uncertain. This is the uncertainty factor that we all have to live with. So when it comes to people who say, "Well, this will happen and that will happen and all that," it could just be completely false, and something else might happen because that's the nature of what we're going through. But when it comes to something virtual, you know, we can count on Tomorrowland. They will be publishing this live stream event, and it will be magnificent. So that we can hang our hat on. Tickets are starting at twenty euros, which is thirty Canadian dollars, which is around twenty-three American dollars. And it goes up from there to a $50 euro ticket. And I think that that is because they're offering bonuses. I'm not sure what those are, but they seem to include some sparkling wine. And I don't know where that is being sent to. But Shanae, if I buy these tickets, if it includes a case of Sol Vita's sparkling wine, I'm in. I'm in for the $50 level. Let's do this. Yeah. And I just want to say, just to touch point on the time zone situation, I think that that's amazing because nothing hurts me more over over this period of COVID than being very excited to watch a live stream event and realizing that the 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. that I thought it would start at for me is really 11 p.m. And then that means, you know, headliners aren't on until like 3 or 4 a.m. And I'm in bed. I'm asleep. I I can't seem to keep myself awake. So I am really excited to hear that that the festival starts in everybody's time zone at 8 p.m. no matter where you are. That's right. Very clever, ingenious, on the ball, studly. Tomorrowland, what else can we expect from them? They're rock stars. Would you like to be on the show if you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered? Please click or forward the guest sign-up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. With new global directory of creators, Femnoise works to close the music industry gap. Launched in 2017 as a music industry collective for women, transgender, and non-binary creators, this Barcelona-based organization, Femnoise, has been actively working to close the gender gap through activism, discussion forums, and virtually and virtual community building. With the launch of a new interactive map on the group's website, members from all backgrounds in the industry can now find each other around the globe 
making a smooth system for professionals and emerging talent to forge new relationships and hire each other. To me, I don't, I'm not a member to this, but I can picture it almost like a Bumble app in the sense that, you know, you're connecting professionally, but with the added bonus of now having this interactive map and having these forums for discussion and workshops and things like that. So on their website, they say Femnoise was first born as a collective fighting for the reduction of the gender gap in the music industry. But we soon realized that the solution is not just activism. We have to go one step further to connect and empower underrepresented individuals on a large scale worldwide. With 2,000 members so far, they have taken that step. And I can see so much potential for growth in this business. What do you think, Mario? I'm in love with this, man. I just keep getting amazed and inspired by the technological bounds and leaps that people are making. And when they are socially groundbreaking, I think they can be extremely powerful. Look, people keep talking about Facebook as becoming a scourge, but a lot of these social media companies that try to connect people turn out to be just money makers and they forget that they're also polluting the minds and they're also uh, corrupting the minds of their populace because they have mission statements that are opposite to what their intentions are, which are to make a lot of money instead of really affecting people's lives for the better and truly connecting them. And this is an example of people in the business of music who are already facing, I mean, there's no better way to say it, discrimination towards genders. It's always been true. And the fact that this is allowing them to better connect and bypass the traditional architectures this is important. This is groundbreaking. This is going to shift worlds. And I'm really, really happy about it. I mean, there was a video attached to this article. The lady, I believe it, she's not mentioned here. She must be the, the spokesperson. Maybe she's the one who runs the whole thing. She talks about it. You can see her using the program to link people. And she was essentially saying that if you were a traveling musician and you wanted to go to a different country to produce music or to play music or whatever, you could find somebody who would be able to hire you at a local spot. You'd be able to find uh, musicians to combine with to play at that local spot. And then you could also find potentially people that you could record with and produce something in terms of like a finished final product. So it's giving people liberation and going outside of the traditional music structure, which has been proven to be nonsensical, corrupt, and behind on the times. And something like this just proves that disruption in any business is imminent when people are this smart, this passionate, and this talented. Okay, nearly two-thirds of Australian voters, Shanae, are in favor of pill-testing a new study finds. So according to new data collected via the Australian National University's long-running election study, so published in the journal Drug and Alcohol Review, it states 63% of respondents were in favor of the harm minimization measures, and this figure included 33% of people who strongly supported it. Comparatively, 22% disagreed with the measure, including 13 who strongly opposed it. The study was conducted with 2,045 respondents in 2019, not long after the Australian federal election. Now, Sinead, if you remember, we did cover Australia's response to pill testing and the fact that they were going to make a permanent pill site outside Grooving the Moo, which is in the Canberra region and the capital of Australia. That's where all the government politicians live. It's like the Ottawa, which is where we are in Canada. 
And so Grooving the Moo is one of the festivals that they have down there. And that's where they had faced some deaths. And then that's what started this whole affair. In reality, Sinead, this is about saving lives. It's not about condoning the use of recreational drugs. We, or I, am not going out of my way to uh, encourage, you know, that the kids do drugs. I think we should be, though, going out of our way to make sure that they don't die from trying them, right? That's the point. So Kate Furman here is a member of the New South Wales Parliament and is one of the most outspoken advocates for pill testing in Australia. And she recently came out as a former MDMA user in an op-ed published in the Sydney Morning Herald. Now, she was being interviewed by the world's Marco Worman, who is an extremely good journalist, and he spoke to her about the controversy surrounding her statements and proposed pill testing. When he asked her what kind of reaction she got from admitting her frequent use of MDMA, she said this, actually quite incredible in terms of support. I think the tide is really turning here because we've seen deaths under the existing zero tolerance policies, hardline policies that were approached here in Australia. So we have to try another approach. We also talked about the hypocrisy in terms of legal drugs, such as alcohol, prescription drugs, and tobacco. My mother was horribly addicted to prescription drugs and a heavy, heavy smoker, and she died of cancer too early in her life. I just want young people to firstly hear politicians that understand their experiences. But I also want to say, you know what? Here in Australia, we have a population of 25 million. Three million adults have admitted to, in some stage in their life, of taking illegal substances. Clearly, the war on drugs is failing, and it's costing young people their lives, and it's time we pulled their heads out of the sand. What do you think about her comments? Um, I mean, they match up with what your comments were and what my comments will be. Harm reduction is key. Like, telling somebody not to explore and not to do drugs is not necessarily going to stop them from doing it or prevent them from doing it. They need to know that they are safe, as safe as can be, and they need all the facts laid out for them so they can make an educated decision. And with the government support by not having a war on drugs and by making it like, you know, an education model to be the forefront of drug use, then I think that that's incredibly important education, harm reduction. She's a fresh of breath air here because Marco goes on to ask her in the U.S. It's been a failure, this, this war on drugs. And, and obviously in Australia, it is as well. And then she replies, yes, well, because the uncomfortable truth is the vast majority of people who take illegal drugs will do so relatively safely. And they'll do so because they want to relax or they want to have a good time with their friends. But me as a politician admitting that has just made other politicians absolutely freak out to the biggest extent I think I've ever seen on the issue. They are calling me reckless and saying that I am encouraging drug use. These are the facts, though. Millions of Australians do it. Let's just look at the facts. And she says, you know, I've been contacted by festivals who are desperate to be able to test their pills. These guys who run festivals, they know what kids get up to. They know that the vast majority of people who are walking to those parties are going to somehow get their drugs in there and they're going to buy drugs in the festivals. Police have tried to stop this for years and years and they failed. So you know what? All we're asking for as well is to continue the trial. We're not even saying let's bring it indefinitely. It's just about having the trial. And I think this is really important. Look, Sinead, we know that Shambhala here, one of our preeminent festivals in Canada and one of the best raves in North America is definitely a festival that has been supporting 
pill testing for a really long time through Anchors, a organization out of British Columbia over there, Neil Nelson, BC, which specializes in pill testing, drug communication, education, and also the support with safe spaces for those that are under the influence and just need a timeout and a place to just recollect and balance their their trips. And I think that these kinds of policies have to be reflective in the sense where if you're an event organizer, you have to find, you have to find a way to make sure that these things are are available for your attendees. And if you think that you're scared because of insurance, because of police action, because of federal laws, then you have a duty to start lobbying the governments of your country to make sure that you're keeping your kids safe. Absolutely. They have a duty, like you said. And also, when you ignore a problem, the problem doesn't disappear. So if you're a festival organizer and you say, well, we'll just pretend that nobody does drugs at our festival. People are still dying. People are still getting injured. People are still, you know, getting hospitalized, overdosing, getting tainted drugs. It happens. So instead of ignoring the problem, let's face the problem and see how we can take steps to fix it. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector, so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.